Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer, and broadcaster. And what you're about to hear is a soundbite from one of the roughly 1,400 celebrity interviews I did over a 30-year period for all major media outlets in Ireland. In fact, what you're about to hear is a manifestation of the realization of a childhood dream. And all of this is a story I tell in my new book, Elvis, Sam Phillips, and Sun Records Revisited. It's available from Amazon and will soon be available from all other ebook outlets. Why do I say what follows is rooted in a childhood dream? Well, when I was nine, I read a book called The Elvis Presley Story. And after reading chapter one, I said to my mother, Someday I'm going to Memphis, Tennessee to thank Mr. Phillips for discovering Elvis. More than a quarter century later, I not only did that, I also became the first journalist from Ireland to whom Sam gave an in-depth interview. He also invited me to do the interview in his home in Memphis, Tennessee. And one reason Sam agreed to give me the interview was because I'd promised to tell his story and the story of Sun Records, not just from a musicological, but from a socio-political perspective. A long way from a wop bop a bop a lop bam boom Maybe, maybe not. Either way, Sam insisted that this was the only way to tell his story. That interview lasted three and a half hours, and it's the main point to focus in my new book. However, the book also contains two further interviews I did with Sam for the Irish Times over the phone in 1992 and 1993. The latter to help the man celebrate his 70th birthday. But the section you're about to hear comes from the first phone call, which I made in part because a British journalist had published on the same day Sam and I talked the claim that Elvis was not discovered by Phillips or Marion Keisker when he made a demo for his mother, but after he began to peddle his mother's amphetamines to black musicians at Sun Records. So desperate was he to be discovered as a singer. Frankly, the story struck me as bull. Excuse the language. But I had to call Sam, the man himself, to find out what he thought. By the way, for some reason, at the start, he calls me Jose. Jose? Hello there. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Lovely to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing just fine, thank you, sir. Good. And you, you got a copy of our interview that time for your little museum? Ah, uh, let's see. Did we get a copy of the interview? Yeah, it's got to be here somewhere. It better be. If it's not, I mean, you better not come to America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if I get over again, I'll bring you a handful of copies. Yeah, bring me a copy, because I, I, if you send us one, I'm sure Sally has got it somewhere, but I don't know exactly where. Right. I talked recently to Graham Marcus, and he'd read it and thought he really enjoyed it. And he said that he got the feel of you and the feel of your music coming across and the way you talked in it to him. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, so, look, have you not heard these, these newer stories? If Sally just kind of briefed you on it there? But no, actually, she just said something about the Dee Presley thing and uh, Elvis and his mother. Yeah. Okay. Well, the first question is, does a magazine just come out today in Ireland and England called Vox? And the writer is Roy Carr, who used to work for the New Musical Express during the 1960s. Okay? Now, let me read. He says at the beginning, and this is in relation to Son and Elvis, that the, um, I read the paragraph. He says, the teenage Elvis wasn't as naive as legend would have one believe. He wanted a career as an entertainer. He did peddle for free his mother's diet pills to Sun Recording Hilljacks in the hope of being noticed, and he was. 
Now, what is that? You see, what I'm afraid is they're trying to suggest then that the sound of sun is the sound of speed. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, number one, I didn't even permit uh, uh, drinking. The only person ever drank on my sessions was... Uh, Howling Wolf. Howling Wolf. That's the only one. Right. I mean, he would have, now later on, many, many years later down the road in the 60s, well, I permitted a little drinking on sessions. I sure. do myself, but I right. mean, not... Right, right, right. So, I've been drinking a booze at all myself until uh, 32 years old or so, you know. Right, right, right. So, I mean, these stories, and I've seen somebody else in the, a Sun book suggest that Dewey gave him speed on that very first night to get him over the shyness in the interview. Where, where are they all coming from? Is there no truth at all to that? <laughs> that Dewey Phillips on the night he spun the record, that Elvis was so shy. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. As a matter of fact, Dewey Phillips was not on speed at that time. Dewey got on speed much, much later on. Right. A couple of automobile accidents and uh, near death and uh, a number of other things that it would take a good while to sit down and talk about. Sure. But absolutely not. Hell, he didn't know what an amphetamine was. I didn't know what an amphetamine was, you know? Right, right, right. I think they're, they're trying to say, because remember you spoke to me about how Elvis was probably felt like the most inferior person when he first came in. And people are probably saying, well, how did he get from there to projecting himself out like the sexiest guy in the world? Maybe he had to take something. Maybe that's their reasoning. Well, I mean, if you go by a lot of uh, statistical stuff, probably that is so. But nothing about Elvis was statistical. Right. In my opinion. I mean, you, you take that some of the greatest of preachers that we've had, and I'm not talking about these people that's been so much bad uh, written about sure. and all of that, but sure. I, I like George W. Truitt, who was a pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas. They, uh, I read a biography on him, and he was one of the shyest people in the world. And one of the things he did was he said, I am going to be able to talk in front of people and before people, this sort of thing. So... Uh, there's a lot of us use different coping situations without yeah. resorting to some kind of a blinding stimuli or uh, right. something of that sort. I mean, there's such a thing as being so frightened that uh, at a certain, and, you, and yet at the same time, uh, Joe, you want to do it so bad that something just takes over, a mechanism takes over inside that gives you the ability to do it. And this is one of the things that Elvis had. No doubt later on, when things yeah. began to crash in on him, I don't know exactly, to be honest with you. Uh, well, the, offic the official line is that he got them in the Army. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that is, I think that is very, very true, as a matter right. of fact. Now, I right. don't have first-hand knowledge on it, but uh, inventory yeah. duty and, and this sort of thing. And, yeah. Uh, young and people try things like that, and hey, uh, took a, 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 an amphetamine or something and helped him stay awake and probably feel lively and good. This sort of, but all of that early stuff, and, and as long as he was with me, uh, which was four years, uh, no, I had a four year contract, two and a half years. Yeah. I'm 
years, well, uh, to be exact, 20 months plus six months that we worked together before sure. I actually signed it. But uh, the point is that, uh, you know, I don't really know how to uh, tell you anything, Joe. Yeah. That did not happen. But would you, you would be upset if, if, if it gets into the son's story that Elvis actually was, instead of a record for his mother's birthday, he was a dope dealer and Sam hooked him for that? I mean, that's that would undermine a lot of stuff. Uh, well, you can't keep people from uh, doing some of the things that they do. But yeah. uh, I am not worried at all about it. Uh, I mean, uh, if people are going to uh, send their souls to torment for uh, something that's absolutely incorrect, Right. I ran the, uh, the the straightest goddamn studio. I mean, uh, we were totally unconventional in many ways. Yeah. But we were not unconventional. We did not need anything but the high that we got from doing what the hell we were doing. And that's it, period. Right, right, right. Information board. And, uh, okay. Uh, I would not have been in that goddamn studio, uh, and you can you can mark this down, in that studio to get high on some artificial stimuli. Right. I could have done that somewhere else. I just didn't happen to drink. I didn't happen to do anything other than smoke cigarettes. And they were the kind that you buy camels, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, I'm just sad the stories are coming out. I, I, I do what I can against them. But it's just well, a... I mean, uh, you know, Joe, uh, a, a person really ought to. I mean, when you tell the damn truth, and uh, it sounds like sometimes everybody's trying to make Elvis sound like a goddamn angel. Well, he was not an angel. Sure, sure. But at the same damn time, I mean, some of these things are so completely ludicrous. Right. Hi, Joe Jackson here again, and I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. Remember, as I said, the book Elvis, Sam Phillips and Son Records Revisited is available from Amazon and will soon be available from the iBook stores, Barnes & Noble and so on. Thank you for listening.